Good morning, good evening, welcome to episode 51 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I hope that we have a great show for you today, but Ben has just told me that he doesn't have a great feeling about this one, so it might be a good time to flee. I will start with a correction, omission, or error, if you'll allow me, Ben. I will. Uh, Last night, I said with great confidence and boldness that I believed the Giants would uh, include Melky Cabrera on their playoff roster. Roughly 40 seconds later, the Giants decided otherwise. Um, And um, I wonder if you find after 51 episodes, or I guess after 50 episodes of this podcast, do you find yourself um, uh, instinctually trying to make bolder and bolder statements? (laughs) Um, not really. I I do feel some pressure to uh, hedge a little less than maybe is my natural inclination, but uh, I don't know that either of us has come out with that many pronouncements that look immediately wrong. Just a few. Not yeah, not that many. But I trust that you will keep me in line if I start to lose my discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have something to talk about today? Yeah, I feel like I'm always the guy who brings up a non-pennant race topic, um, but mine is Ubaldo Jimenez. And I feel like I'm always the guy who brings up an Angels-related topic, <laughs> and mine is Dan Heron and Tori Hunter. Okay. Go for it. Okay, uh, so there were two pieces of news about Ubaldo Jimenez that I read yesterday. Or really just one piece of news and one reaction to it. Uh, The piece of news was that he was shut down with a sore ankle. Um, And at this point, being shut down means he's only missing two starts. But uh, his season is over, and it was not a successful season. Uh, In the first half, he looked pretty shaky. And then in the second half, it got much worse. Um, There was a period where... He looked sort of like the old Abaldo for a little while, but uh, he finished with an ERA of 6.99 in the second half, um, and it was pretty ugly. And so I read something, I think it might have been uh, by someone at Hardball Talk, speculating about whether the Indians would pick up his option um, for next season, which is really sort of a, a shocking thing if you think of uh, even how his contract looked a year or two ago uh, when he was traded from the Rockies to the Indians I think there was maybe some sense that there was reason to be worried or to feel that maybe his best days were behind him but the the plus was looked at as his contract being extremely affordable and so even if he didn't you know contend for a Cy Young again he would be really a bargain. Um, and he is making just over $4 million this year, which would have been a bargain if he had been serviceable at all. Uh, he has a $5.75 million team option with a $1 million buyout for next year, and then an $8 million team option with a $1 million buyout for 2014. And... Obviously, that would be extremely affordable, even if he were, say, a league average starter. Um, If he pitches again like he did this season, of course, he's not worth much of anything. 
Um, so you, you think the Indians are in a position probably to pick up that option. It's not a crazy amount of money. And you never know. He's still fairly fairly young. And really, what else do the Indians have going on right now? Uh, so why not? But I kind of look back at that trade uh, because recently we looked back at the Austin Jackson trade, which is a trade that worked out for everyone. And a lot of players changed change teams, and, and you can kind of make an argument that almost every team in the deal won, won it or came away with something they're happy with. Whereas now, if you look at the Ovaldo Jimenez trade, uh, the Indians have gotten Ubaldo Jimenez. The Rockies, of course, got Alex White and Drew Pom- Pomeranz, who were very well-regarded prospects at the time, but have not really pitched any better than Ubaldo uh, to this point, not significantly. Of course, well, they are they're still young com- and cheap. A, a combined, uh, obviously, we don't care about record too much, but a combined 3-18. and 18. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, record is, is not the greatest stat, but if you were 3-18... and 18, It's fun. Yeah, record is still a fun stat. Yes, it is. And I wonder, uh, this is probably a topic for another episode, but I wonder why people like us still use it sometimes and still say... Because it's, it's fun. It is fun. And why? On the extremes. It's not fun. 14 and 12 is never fun. Mm -hmm. But when I still see, if I see somebody who's 18 and 3, it still makes me giddy. I don't know why. Yes, it does. More so than looking at their warp total or whatever. Just, I guess it's kind of what you grew up with. Yeah. Um, But anyway. Anyway. Do you think the Rockies saw this coming? Um,. There was some speculation at the time, just because Ubaldo was young and not far removed from an excellent season and affordable, and the Rockies looked like they were still kind of maybe competitors not too far away in the future. There was some sense that maybe he was damaged goods, that there was some reason why they would be willing to deal him with so much time left on his contract. Um, He did lose a couple miles per hour off his fastball that season before they traded him uh, and has lost even more this year. And so there was some speculation that maybe the Rockies felt that he was broken in some way or breaking and was not going to be the same Ubaldo and that that's why they made that deal. Did you think that at the time and and do you think that now? Uh, Probably not. Uh, He was pretty dominant in his... um in the two months leading up to the trade, he had started out that season quite poorly. Um, but he w- as I recall, he was pitching very well, um, at the time of the trade and the numbers basically back that up over his final dozen starts in, uh, altitude. He struck out a batter printing. He had three and a half strikeouts per walk. He had a 3.48 ERA and he did it all with a, um, uh, uncharacteristically high BABIP. So I don't know that there would have been uh, real big warning signs, but we've talked before that um, teams do seem to know their own players. There's some indication, there's some evidence that teams know their own players better than other teams do. And um, especially. so, especially pitchers, is that what you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, I mean, there's probably all sorts of Indica- I mean, you know, just going back to what we talked about with Travis Snyder yesterday, um, anybody could look at Travis Snyder's numbers and see that he was a disappointment with Toronto. Um, but without knowing 
the conversations he was having with his coaches without knowing his attitude toward instruction, there's a whole other part of it that you don't know. So certainly there are, I mean, maybe Ubaldo Jimenez is simply a flake. And um, if you're instructing him, you realize that he doesn't have much of a clue what he's doing, or maybe it's just the opposite. Would you care to make a bold pronouncement that that is the case? I would like to, rather than do that, (laughs) I would like to note that Ubaldo Jimenez has um, had five full seasons in the major leagues, Mm -hmm. and he has thrown eight wild pitches in two of those seasons and 16 wild pitches in each of the other three, which is a rare and bizarre numerical coincidence. Is wild pitches a very stable stat from year to year? I don't have a great sense of that. It actually goes 16, 8, 16, 8, 16. <laughs> it's, you know, that is... 8 and 16, that's divisible. <laughs> yes. Great. 16 was enough to lead the league two of those years. So. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that it's <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about pitcher wins and wild pitches. I will totals. make a bold. Yeah, I do want to boldly state, though, that I don't think that there's any uh, real way that the Indians decline that option. I mean, no. that you're talking about you're talking about almost no financial commitment. Mm-hmm. This is a team that brought Grady Sizemore back for five million, and Grady Sizemore was uh, every bit as bad as uh, Ubaldo, and he was that bad for two years. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, and and in a way, they've actually invested more in Ubaldo than they did in in Grady. So, yeah, they're gonna bring him back, right? I think so, yeah. Um, or trade him. I mean, they could trade him. Yeah. They're not so trading that up. At this point, his value is at an all-time low. Yeah, but, I mean, for the, if we think it's obvious that you pick up a $5 million option on Ubaldo Jimenez, there's probably 29 other teams that do, too, and mm-hmm. would give you something for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is It is sad that it's come to that. He now has a 5.43 ERA for the Indians. Uh, um not said in an emotional sense. I'm not really feeling that emotional about it, but he was a very exciting pitcher. Yeah, and there was a there was a period in 2010 where you could actually make the argument that he might be the best pitcher in baseball. Yes, <laughs> it was. Definitely. He was so good, and not just for that. I mean, he had been amazing the year before, and if you just looked at his pitches, they were incredible. You couldn't. I mean, how do you? He probably had, uh, you know, one of the one of the half dozen best sinkers in the game and it went 99 miles an hour to the boot it it was incredible mm-hmm. and now he's down about three miles per hour at least from that season um yeah that's what happens mm. yeah you know it's funny because when you trade a veteran pitcher for two pitching prospects uh you think about how unreliable pitching prospects are mm-hmm. um but the fact is that pitchers, just all of them are. Every single one of them is unreliable. Yeah, Jonah Carey wrote an article at, at Grantland today about uh, how the returns in trades for veteran pitchers have diminished in recent years. That um, as recently as five years or so ago, you would see uh, pretty pretty like attractive prospect packages changing teams for starting pitchers um and in the last five years or so at least he was looking at off-season trades 
it seems like the returns have really uh, diminished and that teams are not as interested in paying for pitchers or trading for pitchers and giving up as much for them. Um, but he was kind of making the argument that it's still, uh, with all the money in the game today, generally makes sense to hold on to your stars and that every team can afford it and that since other teams aren't paying as much for them anymore, it, it makes even more sense to keep them. Um, Once again, Ben brings a second topic to the table. <laughs> yes. I never have one before the show, and then during the show I come up with three or four. Uh, so Dan, Heron, and Tori Hunter. Um, uh, I just am lumping these two together because they are both players who are uh, potentially going to leave the Angels next year, uh, next offseason after this season, and because both have had kind of newsworthy updates to their status. Um, Dan Heron, it was reported today by uh, MLB.com, will likely not have his option picked up, which is um, shocking. Not at the moment, but it would have been a few months ago. Mm. Absolutely shocking. Uh, that option is essentially $13 million. Um, and Tory Hunter uh, apparently had a meeting with the team and came away convinced that they would uh, do what it takes to bring him back. Yes, I read uh, that, and I noticed it because we had just talked about that a little bit. We talked about what? Oh, yes. Yeah. I said I probably made a bold prediction about how he yes. priced himself out. Yes, and and, <laughs> and Tory might be. I'm not convinced that Tory isn't being a little bit optimistic mm -hmm. about the situation. Um, but regardless. Um, and so I just wanted to point out a couple of things. Um, one is that Tory Hunter – uh, when he signed that deal of five years, $90 million, I, uh, um, as I recall, and I would imagine, was uh, that deal was fairly universally panned um, from the Angels' perspective, uh, seen as probably an overpay for a non-star who was heading into his mid-30s and would certainly see his defensive value decrease and whose defensive value was already perceived as being overblown. And um, Torrey Hunter has um, quietly, uh, I suppose, had the three best years of his career offensively mm -hmm. in his mid-30s. And you don't expect that. Um, I remember when they traded for Vernon Wells, one of the um, one of the sort of more hopeful things that I heard was that uh, Vernon Wells, uh, one of Vernon Wells' top comps was uh, statistically was Torrey Hunter, and he was coming over at the same age. And the thing is that Torrey Hunter, when he signed with the Angels, w did not look like a good investment particularly. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it's sort of uh, surprising, but it's been impressive to see him um, stave off age because he does look older. Uh, you know, he he lost his position. He's clearly lost speed on the base paths. He had a wretched first half last year, but he has managed to just keep hitting. And this year he lost is actually his position to I guess two of the best center fielders in the game. Um, he did, I don't know whether he, that has anything to do with it. I mean, yeah, they have lost it with another team that didn't have a Trout or a Burgess or someone of that caliber. I don't know. I think. I think that at that point he might have. Um, he didn't really want to give up the spot, and he probably would have fought in another organization if it hadn't been a Borges coming up. Mm -hmm. um, but he was physically worn down by the position, and there was a sense that it was not doing him any good to be in that position. I think he had that sense, and he acknowledged it after the fact. Um, 
But anyway, that's a, a little bit off topic. And he's a very good right fielder, and he wasn't a very good center fielder. I don't know if he would have acknowledged that fact, though, without Borges pushing him. Um, but yeah, so anyway, the point is that Torrey Hunter is actually uh, doing great, and Dan Heron is not, uh, as we talked about a little bit in a previous episode when we revisited that trade. But similarly, it, uh, that was a trade with almost universal opinion going one way, and uh, it gets worse and worse for the Angels. And if the Angels don't pick up the option, uh, they will have essentially gotten about five warp or less out of the Dan Heron deal. And uh, so it's interesting that one of Tony Reagan's most panned trades turns out to be pretty good, not great. I mean, Tory Hunter has been about four and a half or five million dollars per win uh but that of course doesn't include any of the clubhouse stuff that the angels do value mm-hmm. um whereas dan heron uh boy this sentence had too many clauses i forget <laughs> what my syntax was i don't even know what tense i'm supposed to be using any longer uh you know where i'm getting that yeah um yeah I, i've looked at hunter's numbers and been impressed by them uh, a few times over the past couple of years i guess i don't know if there's a perception that he's declined offensively but just the raw totals are maybe not quite as impressive just because of the park and it's a tough place to hit for right-handed hitters and so he has not uh he hit 31 home runs and 28 home runs in his last couple of years in minnesota and he's been more of a, a low 20s guy for the angels but certainly looking at the park adjusted stats he is every bit as productive as he ever was um and as a now a 36-year-old, or 37-year-old, I guess he is now, that is impressive. I, I wonder how many years he'll get. I kind of can't see him getting more than two, even as well as he's held up, but I could uh-huh. be wrong. Yeah, I would guess that that's going to... I mean, if I'm still making bold predictions, <laughs> I would predict that Tory will go looking for a three-year deal because he it's his last chance mm-hmm. to get one and um, that the Angels won't give him one. Um, he also, um, uh, incidentally, is a guy who learned patience, which is surprising because you don't think of the Angels as being a team that uh, teaches patience at all. Um, but he... Um, not this year. This year he's been a, a, a bit different of a hitter with Albert behind him. But um, over the last two years, he had career highs in walks. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know. It's a, it, it's an interesting – he was a very aggressive hitter before. He went to a team that has a reputation for being very aggressive offensively, and yet he learned to take pitches. So um, I don't know. It's been kind of fun to watch Torrey Hunter, to be honest. And um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if – uh, he's really this good because I had, I, I mean, I, I don't think I was alone in thinking last year that the final year and a half of this contract was going to look very grim. And I think, you know, to be honest, I don't even know that, uh, he <laughs> felt that confident about it. Uh, but here he what is. What makes you say that? I don't know. I don't remember. I just, uh, I'm, I'm vaguely recalling that he was, uh, a, a bit more, um, I don't know. He was, uh, uh, I don't know. He, he sort of acknowledged that he was a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. Well, there will be a lot of off-season intrigue then when it comes to Angels, free agents, and starting pitchers. I read today that Jared Weaver said something about how he wouldn't mind if the Angels spent more to bring back Granky than they spent on him. Um, uh, yeah, I, 
he well he better say that because he signed a below market <laughs> yes. deal and if if he decides that they can never spend more on a pitcher then <laughs> that limits them quite a bit mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean they are looking at going from uh four aces and irvin to potentially uh weaver and a somewhat broken down cj wilson and three question marks so it is interesting i've Never known where the Angels' ability to spend stopped because it seemed like every offseason they would kind of leak the number that they were going to start the year with. <laughs> and uh, and they would always end up going above that. And then this year, this past year, they went way above it, but yep. they faked it by uh, heavily backloading Wilson and Pujols' deals. So they're basically getting nothing this year. And so I just am constantly waiting and wondering whether they're ever eventually going to have to stop spending. And um, it'll be interesting to see whether this is the year. Well, missing the playoffs won't help if they do. For a do, third year in a row? probably will. Mm-hmm. Are they – what's this – Oakland and Baltimore both won tonight, and they were losing when we started the podcast? I think they the are Angels are two and a half back when we started. Yeah, they are currently – Or two back of uh, Oakland. They have tied Seattle. It is the seventh inning, and Kendry's Morales is up with the go-ahead run on second. So by the time we release this to the world, everybody will know what happened. Um, We'll be back tomorrow with another podcast.